Luke 11, verses 29 to 53. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Mm. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees! For you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. Those you, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees! For you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. <laughs> and he said, Woe to you, lawyers also, <laughs> for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him, to catch him in something he might say. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Woo! That yeah. is, uh, Jesus, you know, he, he lets him have it. I, uh, I like to think that there was like a you know, like a servant or, you know, somebody not really affiliated with either party, just standing there with a plate of like Hawaiian rolls, just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I uh, mean, yeah, cause this is all happening at the Pharisee's house. He, you know, he got invited to dine with him and then he, this Jesus has an edge to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. yeah and uh, obviously the moment is great when the te- the lawyer's like, <laughs> yeah. well, when you said this stuff, you're also insulting him. Jesus is like, well, if you mention it, yeah, let me come too. after you too. I know. I know. It, may, it makes me think of the, uh, the dinner party episode of The Office. That's just like an unbearably <laughs> awkward, like yeah. you don't even want to watch it twice. It's so tense. And uh, so here we are. Um, and we, uh, we have started with the sign of Jonah. Yes. And so, you know, we can, we can see, uh, you know, Jesus ministry. It's not all just, you know, nice, fluffy, warm blankets. Uh, but he, he is, he has come to bring judgment and particularly to those who've hardened their hearts. And, and even more so to those who have hardened their hearts and yet still use uh, the the banner of God to oppress other people. Mm-hmm. And I love yep. that we, you know, recently came out of, we, right before Luke, we came right, right out of Isaiah, the end of Isaiah. And so you can just so clearly see how resonant the heart of Christ is with, you know, the broader counsel of scripture and, um, God's passion for for justice and for people to know him and and his hatred towards people who you know unrepentantly will will bar the way into mm-hmm. fellowship with God. So what are what are your thoughts um on this this hefty passage? Yeah. Well, you know another thing so we're reading this out after Isaiah uh, mm-hmm. but also we're reading these texts along with our seven sayings series mm-hmm. that we're doing yep. on Sundays where we're thinking about Jesus's final words from the cross. And I think it's helpful to read through a gospel so that we can contextualize those sayings. And, and here we see, you know, the Jesus who will die for his people and mm-hmm. his death and resurrection is potentially the sign of Jonah. There's some argument about exactly what the sign is. Yeah. Um, I, I was really hoping you weren't going to like immediately turn it on me and be like, Will, what do you think it is? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's okay, some sorry. debate about it uh, because elsewhere he talks about as Jonah was in the belly of the whale, but here he doesn't mention that, uh, you mm-hmm. know, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days. Um, so the son of man will be uh, in the, in the earth for three days. So that mm-hmm. makes it, the resurrection seems to be the sign, but the, the point I was getting at here is, as you were saying, Will, like the Pharisees, the lawyers, these people, they would not die on behalf of others, right? Mm-hmm. They're, in fact, using others to hold themselves up, to prop themselves up. But the Jesus that we've been thinking about on Sunday mornings is a Jesus who pursues death for the sake of others, even those who are his enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that's powerful. And that's part of what calls out the sin of these Jewish leaders. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, another suggestion for the sign of Jonah is this call to repentance. And what you get in verse 32, uh, where it says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Mm. Uh, Behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is referring to himself. This should be read in light of what Jesus says to the Pharisees and the lawyers, because both the Ninevites, who are foreigners, not Mm -hmm. Jews, are part of the Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, which was a terrible nation, which Mm -hmm. would uh, conquer the northern kingdom of Israel and invade the south and kill many people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet they repent. 
mm-hmm. when they hear the word of the Lord. And the Queen of Sheba, a foreign woman, but she comes to to um, Solomon to hear his wisdom. So those are supposed to be judgments on mm-hmm. these Jewish religious leaders. Mm-hmm. If even Ninevites will repent, why won't you repent? Yeah, yeah. I uh, that's a that's a great word, and um, it really is is sobering. It's that idea we've we've talked about of like the tears of God's judgment. T i e r s. The tears, you know, like that. There, it's very clearly outlined in Scripture that there there are greater levels of accountability um, based off of you know exposure to to the words of God and. Um, you know, if you're constantly called, like if you come to Christ's covenant every week, you are constantly preached the gospel and called to believe in it. That's how Dee's finishes every sermon and, and our guest preachers and our other preachers on staff. And that is a great blessing mm. given that we respond, but it's also a, a great weight if, if we harden our hearts. And so um, you know, it, it's definitely a word of warning. And then, so moving into this light section, you know, this is a familiar metaphor. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand. And then he turns to this other metaphor, your eye is the lamp of your body. Yeah. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. So this is an interesting metaphor, and it's not super clearly unpacked by Jesus as he gives it. Yeah. So what do you kind of make of that uh, that comparison there? Yeah, so normally the lamp metaphor is being used to convey the light going outward. That's mm-hmm. why you don't put it in a cellar or under a basket. Mm-hmm. But Jesus uses it that way and then turns it around inwardly as mm-hmm. well, right? Your eye is actually that lamp for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems to be, uh, the, the idea seems to be that you're supposed to pursue the light uh, mm-hmm. and op- keep your eyes open and healthy so that you can take in the light. Maybe, and here I'm just conjecturing here, uh, maybe since this is following right after the fact that these Jewish leaders do not see who Jesus is, right? Something greater is here. Mm. Uh, that what he's challenging the people to do is open their eyes and see that he is the light and mm. take in the light. Mm. Uh, whereas they are unhealthy, uh, their their eye is unhealthy, and that's why they're unable to see that he mm. is the true light. And then that leads into him going to the Pharisee's house and calling out all the ways that they are unhealthy, which is part of what gets in the way of them perceiving Jesus. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, that that's very true. And given that it's sandwiched by the sign of Noah and the woes to the Pharisees and lawyers, you know, I, I think we could, you know, sort of read it where the light, obviously Jesus is the light of the world. His word is, you know, the light and the, the means by which we can walk in light. And yet if we suppress it, you know, it, it's like if we went and, and duct taped all the light bulbs in our house and tried to walk around at night, like you're, you're going to be stumbling around, you're going to be banging into things. And so I, I think you're right. Like in, in the Sermon on the Mount and some of those other contexts, it, light is much more of a global universal image, like 
bringing light into cultural spaces and whatnot. But especially sandwiched by, you know, this idea of judgment for knowing yet suppressing the truth. There's this warning here of, you know, do not suppress like that's it's like covering your own eyes. It's like making Mm -hmm. yourself blind and you're ultimately going to bring harm to your whole body by uh, suppressing the light. And so then, uh, you know, and I think it's funny, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine. And so sort of like the the sermon gets cut off and Jesus goes and, um, you know, changes scenes to this Pharisee's house. And it all starts, the, the floodgate that breaks is what seems to us to be like a hygiene issue, but really yeah. it's a ceremonial thing. Right. So Jesus is not gross. Uh, but, you know, the Pharisee expects Jesus to partake in this like ritual, uh, you know, cleansing. And the Pharisee it's a, was astonished to see that yeah. he did not first wash. And then the Lord just, it, it's like the, the, the dam breaks. And so yeah. let's, uh, let's dig into this for a second before we wrap yeah. up for the day. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that it's not just a matter of Jesus forgetting to wash his hands. I yeah. even think he's probably uh, intentionally not washing his hands because he wants to get this point across about uh-huh. the external versus the internal. And so the Pharisees think by just washing their hands, they make themselves right, which mm-hmm. is what rituals can do. Uh, they, rituals can make people put their faith in the ritual, the external action rather than looking inside. And that's where Jesus is aimed at. He's aimed at their hearts. Uh, Mm. And so, you know, you wash the outside of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. That's verse 39. But there is a danger when we read passages like this, because then we can fall on the other side and think, well, it doesn't matter what we do. All that matters is our Mm. hearts. And so I do think this little phrase in verse 42 shouldn't be overlooked. He says, uh, woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. And then he says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others, right? So yeah. we need to yep. do justice. We do need to love the Lord, but we also need to obey his commandments. And that's what we saw uh, at the end of our last passage mm-hmm. uh, where we were looking at um, Jesus saying, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So, These woes against the Pharisees, yes, the Pharisees put their hope in their ritual behaviors in a way that hypocritically actually ends up oppressing people, and we shouldn't do that. But we also shouldn't leave aside what God has called us to do. Uh, And we don't tithe mint and rue in every herb these days, but there's still matters of obedience that we we are called to do that we shouldn't disregard. Yeah, you're you're totally right because we can easily overcorrect overcorrect into this it's just me and jesus sort of christian walk where i don't need the church i don't need a pastor telling me what to do i don't need to give money to a missions fund i just need to sit at the feet of jesus and i just need to be a good person and you know post things about social justice and you know maybe give a dollar here and there but you're right. Like it, it's Jesus does not set those things aside, but he he connects the cart back to the horse, and yeah. you know the driving force here is the the justice and love of God, 
And the cart is, you know, all the things that come along with it. The it's the being a part of God's kingdom, the lifestyle that Jesus himself, you know, gives commands and, and you know, God's word instructs us in. And, uh, and so that is, it, it's very important because I, I think you're totally right. Like it, we can feed into this like overcorrective culture that we see around this. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting just to, and it's convicting because we, we can really easily, when we read passages like this, read ourselves onto the good side, you know, and like if we put ourselves in the room, like we're sitting right there with Jesus and he's convicting all the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have to stop and, and really examine, like have the acts of service that I do for God and the acts of worship that I do for God, have they become detached from the more, you know, basic sense of caring about what God cares about and loving the people that God loves. Like, does my life actually point towards justice and love or does it just point towards religious performance? And, you know, that's not, we're not always going to come out on the good and right side of that because we're sinful and we lose our way. But I think what's really important, you know, verse 45, one of the lawyers answered him, teacher and saying these things you insult us also and uh then jesus just turns the the gatling gun towards him but uh you know i think what sticks out to me here is when our sin is brought into the light by somebody when our sin is named to us by god and that might be through prayer through fellowship with our believers and accountability but when our sin is named we can either be convicted or we can be insulted. Mm. And, you know, clearly the Pharisees and lawyers are insulted. And so they seek to get Jesus out of the picture. Mm. And I think that's what we see in, you know, people who we care about who turn aside from the Lord. It's because they, they're just insulted by the cross that, you know, uh, a gospel that would say that you are so sinful that the God of the universe had to die for you you know, that, that can be insulting if we harden our hearts. But if we instead receive the conviction and and accept it and humble ourselves, Mm -hmm. God gives grace to the humble and his kindness leads us to repentance. And so that's kind of the fork in the road that we see. Yeah. The other thing that's happening towards the end of this section is Jesus is prefiguring his own crucifixion Mm -hmm. by talking about the way that these religious leaders have in the past killed the prophets Mm -hmm. and what do the prophets primarily do in the old testament they call out the people for failing to do justice Mm -hmm. Uh, and their response to this failure uh, is not to be convicted as you said Mm -hmm. but is instead to attack the messenger (laughs) yeah and that's what they're going to do to jesus as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's what we're thinking about in the sermons on sundays in this section so um we aren't you know we're not going to physically, I hope, kill anyone who calls us out. But do we turn on them in anger? Uh, And even in the way we think about Jesus, when we are convicted of our sin, do we accept that conviction and seek to follow Jesus more closely? Or do we turn on Jesus in in anger uh, and reject him or reject those who are teaching us? 
and you might ask yourself, well, how do I know if I'm going too far? Because, you know, we said that we should still obey the Lord. And I think that uh, verse 46 could be a helpful criterion for us to use. There he says to the lawyers, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one mm-hmm. of your fingers. So if the way that, you know, if we're trying to be like these prophets and say, no, this is what God has called us to do. Uh, when do we risk becoming a Pharisee? Well, if we're not willing to say to people, this is what God's calling you to do. And because mm-hmm. I love you, I'm going to come alongside you and help you do what yeah. God has called you to do. Yeah, absolutely. And today is our Good Friday episode. So, mm. you know, as we meditate on Christ and the cross, uh, may his kindness lead us to repentance and, you know, see the cross as, you know, the, the seriousness of our sin, but the graciousness of our Savior. So happy Good Friday, and we look forward to seeing you at church on Sunday. For Will Kynes, this is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.